hope you all had great um, jaunts into 2018. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's January, which a lot of people don't like, but we both like because we're both born in January. Oh yeah, so. yeah. Francesca's birthday has just passed. Mine is upcoming. Yeah. So, so soon enough, we'll be twenty something still. So yeah. <laughs> hashtag anonymous. Yeah, so anonymous. <laughs> but um, yeah, so we're very excited to be back. We had a, a bit of a break over Christmas. Helena was like jet setting in Australia. So. Ooh, yeah. If anyone wants to know more about that, just hit us up on Twitter. <laughs> so yeah, but we're very excited to be. Back. Back. Um, you know, it's already been a very busy pop culture newsy. No, you know, I know. January. Oh, gosh, a lot of seasons. Crazy. Yeah. So we'll go through a bit of that today's episode, which isn't going to be focused on anything in particular. We're more just going to try and do a bit of a entertainment culture roundup. Yeah, talk about of, us. Talk about some new stuff. Yeah. Things. Then things we're kind of looking forward to in the future, and that perhaps we might cover in upcoming episodes. Um, so yeah, if you hear anything that you're excited about, keep listening. Yeah. Um, but we thought we'd like begin by just, you know, giving you a bit of an update about what we've been discussing or what we've been reading, yeah. consuming in pop culture consuming, since, yes. since we last uh, last spoke on yeah. air with you. And our last episode obviously was talking about the Netflix <laughs> original movie, A Christmas Prince, which obviously they made a bit of a deal out of. You know, I saw a different thing they did as well. It was a Christmas print and then there was, there was one which wasn't to do with Christmas, with princes, but it was to do with Christmas. It was about like a young woman who goes home to help run her father's business and like comes across like uh, a guy who works for him who she doesn't like, but then like actually starts to like. So it was more kind of like still a similar romantic Christmas movie okay, genre, but yeah. no princes. Interesting. Well, it was funny because when we watched that film, like just after, there was a lot of people like like chatting about it on twitter i feel like it probably did really well for netflix in a really sort of roundabout like everybody hate watching it kind of way but it was talked about yeah it was talked about we'll play the drinking game next christmas oh yes yes <laughs> got that to look forward to uh, so obviously we discussed that and then moving forward um well what what have you what have you been enjoying Helen? Well, let me let me bring up my books read this year um, I mean, we don't need to go through the whole year. Thing. No, definitely, but... it's only been two so far. <laughs> okay. Um, so obviously, um, I kind of and I kind of like crested the years with this book, um, *The Night Circus* by Erin Morgenstern, which you've read. I have read a, yeah. a long a while ago. Yeah, actually, it's, quite a while ago. It's a bit. Of, it's a YA book, but it is genuinely absolutely fantastic. I read so many heard so many good things about it. She's sort of on the level of V. E. Schwab or um, Maggie Stiefvater. Um, you probably wouldn't know who they are, but they are YA authors who are American and kind of into meta-fantasy realism sort of thing. Mm. And it's about, basically it's about these two magicians um, and they have a competition between two students and it's a competition they've had multiple times. It's never really clear why they do it. It's more for prestige and for pride, I think. Okay. And they essentially get bound to your competitor. So it's one of them's daughter, who he has met a couple of years previously, pre you know, slept with her mother and then basically shoved her off and then the mother killed herself and that's how the daughter ends up with him and she has magic, she has illusionist kind of capabilities as well. So the idea is that they they are able to do magic but it's never really explained why, hence meta, meta realism, mm. magical realism, that's what it is. And then obviously the other guy takes on an orphan and um, the and interspersed between their story is this tales of the circus and the night circus, which turns up out of nowhere one day in 1890 um, and travels the whole world and only is open at night and there's crazy marvels. And you start to realise that like the stories of these two people and the circus, it switches times are intertwined and it kind of becomes clear that the circus is the exhibition ground for their competition. Um, and 
it's kind of about their relationship and kind of about the competition and the circus and there's lots of different pieces that come together and it's so beautifully written the description and the imagination and the conception the, the the concepts she puts forward are so smart and there's it's very victorian and it's all built together really 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 well i mean it's just a completely beautiful story it's really really nice so mm -hmm. i really enjoyed it it ticks my boxes of romance magic circuses beautiful writing all this kind of stuff um and i read also i read when breath becomes air i read that between getting to the gate in Hong Kong and taking off from Hong Kong because it was late, like it took me about three hours to read it, and right. it was beautiful. It's the memoir. It's a memoir of someone who has cancer. Oh, okay. um, he's a neurosurgeon who ends mm. up having cancer, um, and it's beautifully written as well. So, those are two things I really, really, really enjoyed, and I'd really recommend both of them. And equally, I've been rewatching Friends on Netflix. I realised they had it on Netflix. Uh, they just added it yeah it? maybe after Christmas and me and my whole family if you walk around my house it's being watched by different people in different places so my <laughs> sister is watching it watching season 2 at the table uh, I was watching um, and they were watching season 7 I think somebody else watching like season 4 and I just there's been a bit of discussion recently since Friends has come back on the air Netflix it's always been on Comedy Central here but um, about how it's aged and there's a lot of obviously home homophobic jokes you know, mm. that's so gay, you know, a la our childhood. Obviously, we had much more traction then and weren't seen as a bad thing, like Ross's lesbian wife or calling Chandler gay all the time for liking girly things. Uh, and equally, boys versus girls and how they interact. Um, there's been interesting discussions I've been reading about, kind of thinking about how much Friends has to answer for. And in the end, I think the opinion I kind of agree with is that it was, it's of its time. And if you expect these shows to age well, nothing ages well because every, attitudes change. So if you expected, and also we know these friends are role models, like people know that too. They were never perceived to be role models. Yeah, so. I mean, I suppose it's an interesting one because I think if you grew up watching it, so I actually never never watched it, but it was on when it when we were young. Mm. Yeah, I, I realise that's like really weird that I never saw it. But um, <laughs> what? Yeah, it's. I think if you grew up watching it, then you maybe. Uh, it's got more nostalgia for you. Yeah, yeah, because I think because I've kind of been thinking like, oh, should I? Because it's I know it's kind of odd that I've never seen it. So I was like, oh no, it's on Netflix. Like, should I give it a watch? But I have obviously seen the random episodes here and there. Yeah. And to me, like, the whole concept seems super dated, that they're in this, like, really fake-looking studio. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I don't know. It's interesting how things have really moved on. But I was reading quite a few articles where people were saying, actually, it was really kind of progressive. in. Oh, yeah. Time. There's plenty of it that's actually... Like, the way the, girl, the girls are all... Uh, what am I trying to say here? The girls are all very, like... There's a lot of, like girl power feminist love that kind of thing yeah I, I and also like you know there's the first like one of the first like lesbian weddings on tv etc etc like yeah there's a lot that friends yeah, is also so trying to do time. that was forward like what great will and grace thought people they were doing and then it also ended up being a bit stereotypical yeah i mean i think you're right that probably anything if we watched it like 10 15 years after the fact would probably seem quite outdated mm. i mean even you watch something suddenly that was like five years ago you you can be kind of struck by elements of it that don't really sit well with like the current climate yeah absolutely yeah. So, but yeah, I've been really enjoying it. I just love, but yeah, for me, you're right. The nostalgia has a thing to play that I just I remember watching it when I was like 14 and just yeah. loving it because all this stuff just goes over your head. I don't find the jokes about Chandler being gay, etc., etc., very funny. Um, but I can appreciate it. Oh, I just, it's nice to be back in that world again, I think is what it is. Well, it'd be interesting if I'll let you know if I do like 
more yeah, genuine and, and then what I think like, yeah that can be, that can be a, a segment every 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 episode <laughs> Francesca has watched some friends what do you think about yeah, it at this well, point well so far I haven't watched any of it because oh on New Year's Day Lovesick came back oh really that's like, a show that a lot of people are talking yeah, about yeah yeah Molly really, likes it it's really good um it's was originally a channel for comedy mm-hmm. um oh called something else wasn't it it was called Scrotal Recall oh that's why I didn't watch it yeah, it had a weird name exactly and the name is really not in fitting at all with like the the kind of mood of the show because it's very like reflective very sweet very funny comedy but it's not like a rude it sounds like, a, like it sounds like a porno but yeah it's on total no no recall. it's like really not like that at all but basically yeah. the plot is that this young guy in his 20s he lives in glasgow which is basically like reason enough Classic. to watch it if you if you like scotland yes. but he he is english like it's supposed to be that he's kind of graduated and he's still living there um and he finds out that he has chlamydia and has to contact oh, okay, all yeah. his ex-girlfriends or ex-lovers and like tell them but it uses that device um as being a way of like revisiting all his old relationships so it's told through flashback which is really cool cool. um so sometimes the flashback will be just like a few months ago other times it will be like you know four years ago or something but he is like this devout like romantic like he just wants to be in love which is also doesn't you would never think from the premise like Mm. you'd kind of think like oh he's just this you know he's been sleeping with lots of people but he doesn't i don't know you might assume that but actually it's that he's he's always on this quest to like find the one um and he lives in this flat with his um two best friends one of them's um this guy who kind of uh, you originally think is a bit of like the casanova type yeah but you actually like learn a bit more about him as it goes on um they're all quite nuanced characters and then the other one is this girl who he's kind of had they've both sort of had a thing for each other at at some point but they've never really aligned it um but yeah it's a really good story so like each episode is named after one of the girls who he interacted with at that point uh the most recent series series three kind of moves away a bit from that format format yeah which they kind of had to in order to yeah. make it survive um yeah absolutely. and it was a bit more kind of mature in some i mean it wasn't immature before but just in terms of like the the things they're dealing with because they're a little bit older they're more like late 20s and um it was really interesting because it kind of showed how i think often like in shows when they get characters together it happens like right at the very end of the series so you yeah. never then see like what happens like yeah. when they're together or it just like completely romanticizes it you know, whereas this was kind of a bit more like realistic of like, actually, if you ended up with this person that you'd idolised and thought about being with for so long, like, would it be perfect? You know, so yeah, so yeah it was really good. Like, I it would definitely recommend awesome. it. I think yeah. you'd like it. Um, and then reading, I've been reading for the first time Bridget Jones. Oh, of course, for the book yeah, club. Yeah, so we chose this for our book club because we thought um, we'd had done quite a lot of like quite heavy going. Oh, books. yeah. Um, In lightness of being. Shoof. Yeah. That uh, was a heavy one. So. And then everyone's kind of seen Bridget Jones, the movie, but I think we're all a bit kind of young to have really read the books, unless yeah. unless you'd have read them, like, um, in recent years. You wouldn't have read it when it came out. Yeah, we were, like, yeah. So, so it's not like Sophie Kinsella, for example, who was, like, a contemporary of when we were, like, 14. 15. Yeah, yeah. So um, that was really interesting to revisit, because obviously I knew the, know the movies, like, quite well, really. Um I really enjoyed the. I read. I read the first two books, which is Bridget Jones's Diary and Bridget Jones: The Edge of Reason. Uh, certainly, the second book is a lot better than the second film. I will say. Oh, is it? Yeah, good. It's actually really very funny in a way that the uh, film isn't really. But yeah, it was an interesting one to read as like a young woman living in London. You know, which you you are lots of elements of it that you can kind of relate to still. I think that have kind of stood the test of time. But a bit like what you're saying about Friends, that obviously are bits of it where you're like, whoa, that's kind of a bit. Weird. Like you wouldn't say that. But again, I think it was probably considered quite progressive at its time. So 
that's been fun. I've been enjoying like giggling on the oh, tube. Oh, that's really nice. Um, yeah, we're interested to see what everyone thinks of the book club. Like, we'll have to. Oh no, definitely. I've actually been wanted to get more into what I would call commercial women's fiction, like Marion Keys is the break. Yeah, I've had a lot of good things about that book, so um, I kind of want to maybe give it a go because normally I wouldn't touch any of those kind of books that are like light blue with lots of curly writing on it, with a sharp with a long pole, unless they had half naked male on it, then I would read it. But then it'd be a romance novel; it wouldn't be a commercial women's fiction mm. I would sort of say Bridget Jones is on that like, we could be progressive and funny but it's still generally commercial yeah women's. well it was interesting because I, I was reading quite a lot of stuff about it where they were saying it was often considered like the first chiclet book yeah. and that when you're reading it there's a lot about it that's very very familiar and then you realise actually it probably was one of the first books to do that so even like the diary format like it's so familiar yeah. actually the thing it really really reminded me of was Angus Thongs and oh, Full Frontal Snogging yeah or Perfect Snogging so so similar like the, even though her narrative voice like it's kind of very sarcastic and kind of funny in yeah. a way that like in georgia nicholson definitely is i think how many people like except it's not a schoolgirl. it's a no so the difference is woman. like the age yeah um so but yeah like it kind of shows how i think pervasive like that uh style that helen fielding sort of started adopted, yeah. yeah has kind of become um yeah so because... that was that was fun yeah i will get around to reading it at the minute i'm switching between nick offerman's Biography, oh. Paddle Your Own Canoe, which my work colleague gave me. Um, the, a book about quantum gravity by the guy who wrote Seven, Seven Lessons on Physics, Carlo Rossetti, I think is his name. Um, and then The Lighthouse by Virginia Woolf. I don't like Virginia Woolf, I don't think. Oh, have you read Mrs. Dalloway? I will give it a try. The Lighthouse I just picked up because it was a nice vin- a vintage edition copy thing yeah. you buy the publishing house vintage, not a vintage book. Oh, okay. I mean, I really like Mrs. Dalloway. Oh, really? I just... Also because I actually read about The Lighthouse and it was basically being like, it's not about anything, it's about human interaction. Mm. And I was like, oh, now I see what I was getting It's into. kind of all her books really are quite like that. Yeah, um, yeah. Okay. But people have said Mrs. Dalloway is like her like seminal piece. Yeah, I think that's probably one that is, a, yeah, worth, definitely worth reading. But, yeah. but I've been, I'm currently reading Ali Smith's Autumn. Oh, of course, yeah. Um, I really like Ali Smith. I've read quite a lot of her books, but I haven't read Autumn and the Winter, which are like the, you know, the yeah, new ones. the quarter. And the yeah. ones that everyone's sort of talking about. Um, so I picked that up. I borrowed my mum's copy of Autumn. Um, and uh, yeah, it's the reason I thought about it just now is like, it's actually quite similar, her writing style to Mrs. Dalloway. Like she has this kind of slight detachment from the characters um, and kind of it's quite, you know, there'll be a random chapter, which is just sort of like a whimsical, like thoughts about like, Brexit, which sounds very weird, but like it's very effective. She's very good at what she does. Um, yeah, I get the sense like Margaret Atwood as well, good at being writers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's quite different from Margaret Atwood because yeah, absolutely. yeah. But like, yeah, I guess she's also a well thought of author. Yeah. And then interestingly, so have you watched any Black Mirror? Everyone's talking about Black Mirror. I haven't watched any because I'm too scared. Yeah. Okay. Same. Same. I watched a bit of one once with my brother, and I was literally like, no. However. He and various other people recommended one of the episodes of the the new series that just dropped on Netflix. And they were like, you'll like it, it's optimistic, and it's not scary. And I was like, okay, good. Okay, I'll watch it. Um, so I watched it last night, um, and it's called Hang the DJ. And it's the episode that's being really... Apparently, in each series, there's often a standout episode. Right. And this one has kind of been labelled the standout one. Um, and it's, it's... You know how he sort of... Charlie Brooker satirises in each episode, like, an aspect of, of modern, society. modern society. So this one is dating apps. Ah, okay. So, and it's basically a romantic 
comedy in a way except that obviously there's a bit of a darker undertone however it never gets like that dark like it really doesn't so you definitely would be okay because that's what I was like but um it's really well done because the main couple have such good chemistry yeah like which I think is quite interesting like, is it Jamie and Claire level chemistry well I mean there is a lot of sex okay. <laughs> but I mean no they do just have like re- I guess like Jamie and Claire like you are like really invested in their oh, relationship cool. um but it's interesting they build that up over such a short space of time because it is only a 15 minute episode um yeah it's really good um and I told my brother I was like yeah I really liked it and he was like oh there's another episode that you could watch so maybe I'll watch that one oh, but okay. I'm definitely not um into the very dark like twisted um, no, episodes and I can definitely see like why people love them but it's not I saw a really funny picture that was like um the caption was black mirror summarizing a picture and it was a man no it was a gif and it was a man with a sign saying technology going technology at a woman and she goes ah and I was like ah oh. they were like that's what black mirror is well that's why this hang the dj episode I don't want to spoil anything but it's kind of interesting because it isn't wholly negative about about technology um, well like so many people I know have boyfriends and girlfriends from Tinder and Bumble etc well it's or the kind of show Cupid, that you watch and you say oh, maybe, that's, maybe that's the way forward so yeah like you'll have to watch it and let me know what you think maybe we have a new segment Helena and Francesca use Tinder <laughs> <laughs> or maybe not <laughs> well we won't do that but um, yeah well lots look forward to 2018 yeah definitely and we will discuss that more after we uh, discuss something else <laughs> Alright, uh, so, um, on the kind of, uh, matter of, kind of, up, or what's, a matter of ongoing, uh, topics that are in the news and in the media, and obviously we both work in the media, um, we kind of wanted to have a quick chat about current, well, the, kind of the Aziz Ansari story and how it links back to the Me Too movement that's kind of been, um, growing and becoming more kind of, uh, Becoming more prominent, prominent, yeah. yeah, in the last couple of months. Obviously, since the um, story broke with Anthony Rapp and Kevin Spacey, and obviously, we're not sure we've talked about it too much, but we've been I obviously think we've following touched it briefly on Harvey Harvey Weinstein, yeah, um, and that kind of and how that sort of affected Hollywood. Mm. But this has now, you know, become this huge like sweeping movement, which is really exciting. Yeah, me too. Stand up, all that kind. Of, no, time's up. Sorry. Yeah, and that kind of. Uh, in some senses culminated at the Golden Globes where all the actresses swore to all black in order mm. to... But some didn't, which well, is funny. I mean, there were three, yeah. This uh, one, three women. Yeah, sort of rogue choices. But yeah, that and at first that kind of was criticised because people said, oh, it's just superficial, the, the, the clothes. But I actually think it worked quite well as, as like a, a protest in the moment, you know, watching them all in these very sombre, like melancholic outfits. Yeah. And, and then yeah. I really enjoyed actually seeing... Um, you know, the women like Natalie Portman and Jessica Chastain and like all, all kind of standing together on the red carpet. Yeah. You realise how often you just see them on their own. No, absolutely. So it was nice to see that camaraderie. No, I agree. And as much, you know, as much as we talk about, what, there's been a lot of talk about complicity, you know, Meryl Streep was out, was, t- was um, not out or taken down. Meryl Streep was accused by Rose McGowan of being a massive, you know, com- being complicit because obviously she and Harvey Weinstein have a good personal relationship, you know, from working together. Mm. And obviously Meryl responds that she obviously is disgusted now but had no idea at the time yeah um and aside from that it's um i think it's great to sort of see these oscars women because you know generally from the discussion that was being had nearly every single high high ranking every single high profile woman in acting who you would think would be relatively powerful and able to protect herself from their careers being at the hands of 
sexually predatory men, Harvey Weinstein being the key op operator here, aren't safe. And I think that's, it, for me, it more kind of showed the fact that, you know, any woman can be at risk of sexual harassment. Yeah, I agree. I think that's one thing that I found quite powerful and moving throughout this. It's mm. been the sort of realisation that these women who you, who you do kind of see as these like unknowable like goddesses on screen or whatever, models you know, powerful yeah, strong, yeah actually seeing them as being normal people like humans like you or i who unfortunately can be like you know as you say like can end up at the hands of these people it's been it's been kind of like that's been pretty very disturbing but it's also then seeing them act in the way that you know perhaps you hope that you or i would act by coming together and, yeah um you know displaying this friendship which i feel like they're just not really encouraged to show no absolutely you know, so that's been really well, women against each other yeah and they are leaders of the media and cultural world um you know some of them have such huge profiles and you know philanthropies and fingers in lots of different pies and the fact that one man could have managed to affect 300 plus women yeah is ridiculous no it was it was really powerful and i i also thought that the you know the bringing some of the women brought activists as their dance. yeah that's cool um you know i thought yeah i agree i thought that was cool i thought that that was nice because it shone a light on like the non-hollywood the non-glamorous side yeah absolutely of, of this movement yeah because as much as hollywood might be institutionally one of the more difficult places for what well, one of the more like hotbeds of sexual harassment institutionally it doesn't mean that you know it's not absolutely everywhere so yeah yeah so i i liked that and um you know, we, we were discussing just before the podcast record about Natalie mm. Portman coming out and kind of just making that little snide remark about the lack of female directors. Mm -hmm. And yeah. there were quite a few moments like that scattered in, in the ceremony that, you know, were quite effective. And I think, you know, overall it wasn't perfect. Like you had Seth Myers was the host. And although he, he, he did a good job, I think, of trying to address oh, yeah, some he of his did. issues, you still think like, well, that kind of just underlies the fact that, like, is, is it ever a female host? I mean, I know Amy Poehler and uh, Tina, Tina Fey have done it, it a few oh times, God, but, iconically. Yeah. but aside from that, I can't uh, think of recent yeah. history where it's been a woman. Um, absolutely, and yeah, so obviously the whole Oscar buzz, um, Oscar buzz is coming, you know, the Golden Globes are all wearing black, and obviously recently, um, the more uh, kind of worrying, I would say for me, story that's popped up recently has been the Aziz Ansari, you know, um, uh, what's this? These unsorry, like outing kind of thing um, by this woman, Grace. I'm using air quotes because she is anonymous yeah. still. Um, and the date that she went on with Aziz Ansari and the way that she left crying, having basically felt mistreated and very uncomfortable, and that he missed verbal, non verbal cues that he should have seen, that she was uncomfortable with him. And obviously, They've written, she's written, well, she's had written. She's been interviewed by yeah. a journalist for Babe.net, um, which is a publication that I don't think many people had heard of prior yeah. to this. Um, so a bit differently from some of the Me Too features that we've seen, um, like such as Lupita Nyong'o's piece in the New York Times, it's not written from the first person perspective, it is an interview. Yeah. Um, but she describes this night that she's that she spent with Aziz Ansari, who we know from Parks and Recreation and Master like of Nan, Master yeah. of None, and he's a very kind of, I would say probably quite well-loved figure who has also kind of always been presented as being like this liberal... Yeah, I mean, he wrote this book, Modern Romance, which has tried to tackle the way in which we date today. And yeah. generally... I generally his voice has been one that's been lending a hand to me too and to sat and to times up and to furthering the cause of multi-racial yeah I mean tv you... and women's led tv as yeah. well yeah like each episode of master of non kind of deals with a different like current theme and mm. you know he's 
he's been really praised for that. So that's kind of the context of this in terms of like, he is perhaps one of the people that you would least expect to be accused of yeah. anything, which is why for many people, like hearing, you know, seeing that headline and reading the story was quite upsetting. And surprising, um, yeah. And surprising, yeah. And uh, without a doubt, like it is a story that you read and you just feel for her as being this like young 22 year old girl who goes on this date with this famous man and then doesn't feel she can leave. But it has also kind of really brought into focus the perhaps what is called the grey area of mm. these um, encounters. interpersonal yeah. relationships, encounters. Yeah, because, you know, with Harvey Weinstein, with Kevin Spacey, like, without a doubt, anyone would say, that is terrible, that is illegal. That's, that's, that, a, that's you know, a misuse and a misuse of power yeah. and then taking advantage of their privileged position. Like, yeah. that's institutionalised sexual harassment and sexism and that's not on yeah. in any way. And I think we would all agree on that. Yeah. Um, and then I think the thing about this Aziz Ansari story is it has highlighted the places in which people don't agree and, you know, perhaps it's even made you think, do I even, can I even have a set of view on this? Mm, because... And how nuanced, not nuanced, but how difficult consent can be to express or to see and, you know, she talks about non-verbal cues she gave him and then some people were saying non-verbal cues, like, well, that's obviously a difficulty then, isn't it? Because it's not spoken. It's, you can't, it's, you're not expressing the problems you're having. So how can someone else read them? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, so there's been a lot, a lot, like this is just, you know, really taken off in terms of yeah, it has. dividing opinion. And I think, you know, people have criticised her by saying she should have left, which of course is ridiculous because there was clearly, there clearly was an imbalance of power, but also you know, perhaps she wasn't sure if she wanted to leave, you know, perhaps she was still hoping that he might treat her differently, mm. you know, in the upcoming Oh, so obviously, the encounter. if we haven't said, um, she and, uh, she and Ansari went back to his place and he seemed very determined on having sex with her. Yeah. They did what I would describe as some stuff, um, to keep it relatively PG on this podcast. Um, but then she obviously started to grow more uncomfortable and to attempt to either extricate herself or to to kind of or stop. To stop it and you know yeah. there's, there's one moment where she says like let's just chill on the sofa um and it's you know he often seems in this in this piece seems to go along with it and then he'll suddenly immediately make a move on her which she's very uncomfortable with mm. so yeah without a doubt it is cd and it is it is uncomfortable it's a very uncomfortable read and not the behavior you want to be faced with after a date no with when, somebody you admired when she says like she's in the taxi home texting her friends and saying it's the worst night she's ever had I think many, many women reading that could relate to it. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, you know, it's, it sort of brought back a lot of the, the message of, or the kind of plot of um, the short story Cat Person. Oh, that was also, was yeah. very big, and, and it was in the New Yorker, and it really um, kind of struck up a conversation about that, like, grey area of dating. Yeah, I would honestly really recommend reading it. It deals with it in a far more thoughtful and useful way, but I, I think, think the thing about the that is does. it... Um, yeah, it, it, it is a, it's a more, well, it's a short story, so it's not perhaps passing commentary mm. um, in the way that this article definitely sets out to name and shame Aziz Ansari, which is where the some of these controversies have, have popped up and that yeah. some people have said that that's not deserved and he shouldn't be immediately bracketed in the same group as uh, Kevin Spacey and Harvey Weinstein. Weinstein and, you know? Franco, yeah. and, and like, I think I would definitely agree with that. I do not think it's the same. No. Um, so it has been a an interesting week in terms of in terms of like following those headlines for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the good thing, what we'd recommend if you have to take any recommendations from us listeners is um, to read around. I read around. I think I read the Atlantic. I read the BBC's take on it. Um, I read one which was taking a more like this is a racially based 
um, push article. Yeah. Uh, I read one that was kind of saying that actually liberalists, feminist men should behave better. You know, there's a lot of commentary to read, and if you want to get a a view of, and if you want to get a view of where the real issues lie, you want to definitely read around the story. Yeah, because I think um, you know it's it's really great that this story is highlighting how uncomfortable women can feel. I think the only problem is if that gets a bit lost in it mm. being paired up with the very predatory attacks that some people have ex- experienced. You mm. know, obviously anything that makes you feel uncomfortable is a hundred percent valid. Yeah, but it does. Um, it doesn't constitute naming and shaming someone in the media. You know. Yeah, I think it just also means that people don't. You want the you want the overriding message to be that consent is important yeah. and that two people have to enjoy any experience and you want that to be the message and not Aziz Ansari is a terrible person I think that's like a two different thing yeah perhaps he is I mean perhaps there's going to be more talk about it or perhaps not but we we'll, don't we'll know. have to see and I think some of the commentary from um people in more in more involved the institutions like the police and the courts um who deal with harassment on a lit- litigious basis um are trying to say Think about due diligence. Think about the due process. You know, you can't. You can't. I mean, the media is not a place for you to be, or the media is not a place for people to be throwing accusations at each other. Um, not saying this is what she's been doing, but I think it, it. The Me Too movement starts to suffer when it becomes what people have been describing as a witch hunt and not an expression of, you know, shaming, naming and shaming people who have misused their power and deserve and need to be outed for the safety of others and experiences bad or good that you've had with people that just because they're famous are brought into the conversation. Um, Because, you know, if you want to be following through on harassment accusation, if you're, you know, there's due process, due diligence, there's evidence and, you know... Well, I think part (sighs) of it is that because it's not written from her her perspective you don't actually know really what her um her aim was i think perhaps you think it probably was to name and shame him because she says that she um she she saw him at the golden globes uh accepting an award and wearing his me too badge Mm. and she felt very uncomfortable with that um and as i said i think you know that any any experience that makes you very unhappy and you know she was she's 22 and i just think that's that is a terrible thing to experience at a young age. Yeah. It's also something that I think many people, many, many people that we know or our peer group has have experienced. And if, you know, young men who see themselves as liberal feminists actually then think a bit about, like, do I do I behave well in all these situations? And encouraging that that self-reflection. Yeah, that's really great. And I think if that's a consequence of the story, that's, that's good. But we'll have I to see. I doubt it. It could get a bit lost, I think, in some of the yeah. the other headlines. And it just it just it just drives me mad that people. Um, this is more the attitude towards social media more generally as well. It's not just into the Me Too movement that people feel social media is a place to air your grievances. And the issue is this interconnectivity, the networks that we have. We still don't know the long term effects of the networking capabilities that we have and personal lives being splashed across the page. You know, this is not uncharted territory, but this is you know the power to tell everybody matched with the importance and the in the meaning of the kind of movement we're going through and what me too can do for women and for society more generally it's a it's a bit of a tinder a a tinderbox i think where Mm. you know it, it i just think you know 
caution should be taken. And I don't yeah. think sometimes I'm worried that it's not because obviously everyone jumped on this story and everyone's not talking about it. And there's a lot of commentary from people who do not know what they're talking about. Mm. And it's, it's dangerous, I think is my problem here. Well, I think it's interesting because this is also this week we've seen um, uh, several high profile figures who recently worked with Woody Allen. Oh, yeah, um, absolutely. Pledged to donate their fees, uh, their wages, sorry, for their recent projects to the Me Too movement or to other charities. The Legal Defence Fund, yeah. Yeah, and, um, you know, Woody Allen has had these accusations of, of sexual assault sort of... Uh, Decades? Floating around since the 90s. A long time, yeah. Um, and many, many high-profile actors have worked with him since then. Yeah, and all, loads of... Yeah, yeah, many people, really. Anyone that you probably think has of worked like an A-lister. Um, Selena Gomez has worked with him. Not that she's an A-lister, I just know. <laughs> Interesting choice. For I just know, I know, I'm the only person I can tell off the top of my head. Well, Emma Stone, like, um, Kate Winslet, Colin Firth. Oh, Kate Winslet, yeah. Uh, and she's Scarlett, very high profile. Johansson, like, all these people. And I think, also as viewers, uh, until very recently, I think people were adopting the, separating the art from the person sort of standpoint. Um, mm. But with Me Too, I think this has really come to a head and people have very much changed their tack. Do you not think? Like, Yeah. And we... Um, I mean, I would still... I still think there's a, there's um, there's some legitimacy in the idea of art is art and whoever made it starts to grow more and more irrelevant as time passes. I agree with that. 20 years isn't that long. Yeah. And like, I, we don't care if Da Vinci was, I don't know, a dickhead, but the kind of contribution he made to art and culture and society are big enough that we can recognise the contributions. But, but I think, especially with these more recent... Because I think that this what's is why... Like, what's already had him done? Like, I'm sorry, but he's not, like, a genius. Well, I think some people would sort of see him okay, that way. sorry. Yeah. Any yeah. Woody Allen fancy, I'm sorry. But, but I think the thing is that a lot of the conversation has been about people who've chosen to, like, work with him more recently. Oh, and people uh, have. That's yeah, the thing. and they have. And, they, and then they haven't been super willing to necessarily um, criticise him. Which is clearly because he's got this position of power. Um, yeah. So Greta Gerwig, who is a um, female director who's been really talked about for Lady Bird, which yes. I'm so excited to see, but honestly, like it came out in, in America in like November. And we still have water. to wait no, like, till February. But anyway, um, so she has worked with Woody Allen in the past and she had been asked a couple of times whether she regretted that and she was very defensive and kind of wouldn't really respond to it which in some ways like is fair enough in that she's promoting her film mm. like she shouldn't necessarily have to deal with those questions but equally I can understand why people wanted to ask them and she's now come out and said that she regrets it and she wouldn't do it again uh, Rebecca Hall um, who was in his movie Vicky Christina Barcelona and is apparently in this upcoming film mm. um, she's my man three if that is more current. Yeah, yeah. She's she's like not like super famous, but she's, she's quite in lots well of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um. She put an Instagram post up where she said she was going to donate it, and then, uh, perhaps like the sort of, you know, real like, uh, big. He's not even a big name, but he's just being talked about a lot. It's, Buzz, it's a buzzing name. Yeah, isn't Timothy Chamolet, um, who was in Call Me by Your Name, which we discussed in great love, detail. Of course. Yeah. Um. He has also come out now and said that he wanted to follow in the footsteps of some of his idols and be in a Woody Allen film but he's now realised that that's not something he wants to be associated he's, he's with. He's thought, what, 22? Two? Yeah. So again, like, you know, I think people change year on year, even adults. So to regret the decision that you made two years before is perfectly legitimate. Like, Greta Ger- I mean, when I feel like I can see why Greta Gerwig would be like, please don't talk to me about this. I made that decision three years ago um, and I'm now trying to talk about my film. And to be... To be kind of asked to be the poster boy or girl or whatever of regret because you are high profile and you work with someone high profile who's now been kind of like 
shown to be a someone that you shouldn't have worked with. It's very difficult. You can see why people get defensive because yeah. they're like, why are you asking me? Everyone else I know has worked with him too. So to have to, you know, is a problem of being a public figure that you have to true. stand up and be a head for a figurehead for it. Well, we were saying earlier about, you know, this idea that you either you're often, and I think even more so than ever before, celebrities are either held up as being wonderful role models that we have to follow and can't make mistakes yeah perfect people that then you know even like this sort of meme culture of like how we kind of make such a big thing you know about somebody somebody like Meryl Streep for example it can be quite damaging because at the end of the day they are just human so they're either that or they're terrible people and I think people were finding it hard to like okay Timothée Chalamet is in this really fantastic film that's like quite forward-thinking and progressive but also he was in he was in a Woody Allen film. Like, what does that mean? What do we think of him? And I think, you know, this has kind of highlighted that, like you say, people change and they regret their decisions and that should be okay when we're talking yeah. about this kind of thing. Anyway. Absolutely. People are, people are contradictory and too, too... Obviously, you're a public figure. You have to be held up and accountable because you profited. That's one thing. But equally, to treat these people as if they should have been absolutely faultless and therefore are now unredeemable is an issue that again these issues being de- dealt with in the mainstream media means you lose nuance you lose any kind of fairness a lot of the time yeah i mean i think i would add to that this um you know the, the fact that we see everything on twitter and uh, or even in shareable links yeah people so often just like read the headline and then don't bother to actually yeah. see so it is a difficult issue that is it's great that it has prominence and it has visibility, but equally it has the real capability to veer right off the rails because of the way the modern media works. It will be interesting to see how uh, this gets addressed in the Oscars, um, because obviously this became like the focal point almost of the Golden Globes. Mm. Um, I can't remember if it was last year or the year before that we had the Oscars so white controversy. Yes, that um, was last year, I think. Yeah, and that uh, kind of brought to a head like the racial inequality in Hollywood and in the movies that have been nominated. Yeah. So whether something similar will happen this year in terms of will there be another kind of protest and also what kind of films get recognised. You know, sometimes I think they they choose to recognise movies that specifically relate to the current climate. Yeah, so hang on, let me look up Oscar nominations so we can actually have some... I mean, I don't think they've come out yet. Yeah, so um, critics picks Oscars nominees. So the kind of things we're looking at, uh, maybe Wonder Woman. I mean, I don't think that's going to be... Apparently. Um, we're looking at obviously The Shape of Water. I think it's like The Shape of Water, three three billboards outside Missouri. Um, Darkest Hour. The Darkest Hour, which is the movie about Winston Churchill. Yeah, Um, absolutely. Call Me By Your Name. Um, Get Out is getting a lot of that kind of thing. Like all these films, um, it's interesting because I think, uh, I haven't seen all of them at all, so I feel like I can't really comment Mm. completely. Uh, I'm a big fan of Joe Wright as a director. He's he's the director who has done the uh, Finest Hour. Finest Hour or Darkest Hour? Darkest, Darkest Hour. Hour. Dominic Gary Oldman. Yeah. yeah. He is the director of Atonement and Anna Karen and how should I have to say that word? Karen Karen you know who I mean. Mm. Uh, the Russian novel. Um but to me that seems like quite a conventional kind of boring biopic. Like I'm not sure it is. I just kind of get that vibe. I feel like it doesn't seem as exciting to me as like Call Me by Your Name or some of these other films that seem a bit more different mm, mm-hmm. quite... well yet another Churchill film oh the it, white it like man is good at acting oh great I mean I don't really yeah I agree with you I don't really feel like a film about a time in British history with a basically one of the most famous 
historical figures in the world mm. who's been featured on The Crown. Um, there was another Churchill film. Like last year? Yeah, yeah. This year? Um, it's Even Dunkirk, which is not actually in. But yeah, it's still three or four that. Churchill films. Like, Churchill is also a very difficult figure. Can we, I mean, I mean I'm going to be a very historian person here and say that he literally caused the deaths of a whole host of sailors in 1915 during the First World War because he so terribly, he was um, commanding a naval battle in 1915 over, basically, from the command centre in London, had no naval experience whatsoever and basically absolutely trashed it. You know, I mean, again... Well, I mean, that could be in the movie. I think it, for me, it's... I fully assume that it is a good film, um, but I just think it doesn't... I, I get much more excited when movies get nominated for things that are... Like Get different. Out was like yeah. a racially charred comedic horror film. And also a surprise hit, which yeah. is always kind of interesting. Or The Bulls Outside Missouri, it's about, you know, it's got... A, 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 it's led by a woman, it's sort of got like... It's kind of about... Um, oh, God, it's kind of about like American history and racial inequality and then equally like you know, interpersonal relationships, all that kind of stuff. Like, I mean, even, like, Wonder Woman, like, that's... Even if it's a superhero film, it's... I don't know, I agree. Darkest Hour, just because it's well-acted, does not mean it's actually that interesting. But one thing I always think that's kind of intriguing about award shows is that these movies get put up against each other that, in another circumstance, you would never compare them. Because they're not the same. Yeah, yeah. so they might all be under the, like, drama category. But, like, aside from that, like, you just wouldn't really... Definitely. Put them together. And of course we're looking at the director. The kind of things we're looking at is Ridley Scott for all the money in the world. The Kevin Spacey film will no longer... Obviously you could put Greta Gerwig in there for Lady Bird. There's not many other women you might think to add to that. Doug Kirk, Nolan, Del Toro, Shape of Water, the Call Me By Your Name guy, Luca Guadagnino. And again, I mean, this list is just some people making predictions and there's one woman they've included and there was no woman on the best director list for the Golden Globes. And it seems unlikely there'll be more than one on this one either. Yeah, which of course, um, you know, some critics come out and say, well, that's because no women have made any good films. And you're like, yeah, but that's also systematic of the problem as well. And I read some interesting commentary that was kind of saying that people thought Lady Bird was not all that for directing. Not in terms of, like, it's a bad film, which is a bad director. It's more like, they're like, there's no big CGI effects or crazy camera work. They were being like, yeah, the whole point is Greta Gerwig is a a genius in the detail. But something like Dunkirk, for example, um, very Nolan-y, you know, got the camera angles from the planes and on the beach and on the boats and blah, 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 and all the camera work. Like, fine, fancy camera work, but again, there's more to directing than that. I think... You know, Christopher Nolan kind of made that movie being like, oh, I'm going to be nominated for a for I best director. Dunk- Honestly, I don't think Dunkirk's that good. Well, I, I really like that film. But I liked it. I, but... I just think that, um, you know, Greta Gerwig probably did not at all make Lady Bird thinking she was going to be nominated for a best director. Mm. So I, I, I think that's maybe a different kind of yeah. focus there. And Dunkirk, yet again, is glorifying a war that is much more complex than the Nazis were mean and the British were great. And that's kind of what Dunkirk made me feel. Dunkirk made me didn't feel, made me feel patriotic. It made me feel like it was very one-sided. Yeah, I mean, I think I kind of watched it, viewed it more as like you being in a, as like what you would do if you were in this impossible situation. So mm. I, I suppose I kind of separated it a bit from the war, from the from the like context of the Second World War. Mm. Uh, but I do I, I do kind of see what you mean. I mean, I think historical historical dramas particularly biopics, do tend to do very well in awards season and mm. that 
isn't always the most like creative pick. No, definitely not. And then I don't know. So I'm now just going through somebody's predictions here for best actress. We're looking at Michelle Williams. Frances McDormand, Seos Ronan. That's not how you say Saoirse. her name. Saoirse Ronan. I knew it. You said it a different way, and I was like, fuck, I'm saying it wrong. <laughs> Sally Hawkins. And then, again, this person says Gal Gadot, Wonder Woman, but you're probably right that an MCU film is probably not going to get you anywhere. But Yeah, well, it would be interesting to see when the uh, the predictions come out, like what ends up happening. Um, yeah. Because, obviously, all the Oscars are facing, as we know, so too white... Um, not as many um, male-dominated films, which is difficult because why they're male-dominated? It's not the film's fault. It's the fact that people, men, seem to be in positions of creative power. It's just kind of how it is. Um, not so that Guillermo del Toro, for example, is a bad director. He's a very good director. No. He made a great film, but, you know, the why is he there? Well, I guess this kind of leads us on to, like, stuff that we're looking forward to in mm. the upcoming months. Yeah, yeah, why don't we start trying something a bit lighter? Yeah, because I think, um, you know, we, when we were talking about some of those movies, like, we were, there were definitely films that we were looking forward to, so... Mm-hmm. Um, well, obviously, Lady Bird for you, you've been talking about that for months. Yeah, <laughs> so ahead of the trend, yeah. No, I am looking forward to seeing that film. Uh, I think, also, it's sometimes quite interesting when things have been really hyped up. Mm. Like, do you then enjoy them as much as you would have done had you not... Some people say they don't, yeah. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to that, um... And then I, I do want to see uh, The Post, which is the movie with Meryl Streep and Tom Hanks huh. uh, about the Washington Post. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, You know, as I'm a journalist, I feel like that would be intriguing. Yeah, definitely. Um, that, was, that was off my radar completely yeah, until suddenly it was all Oscars, uh, Golden Globes winning. Yeah, I think it's very recent. Um, then, the uh, yeah, the other sort of, like, buzzed about films, I, like, I definitely would also be keen to see, but um, they're probably, like, the standouts. Um and I'm, yeah, I'm excited for, a, I feel like there's quite a lot of, like, upcoming fun culture things in 2018. Yeah. Um, well, we're going to Portugal, so that's going to be fun. Oh, yeah. I was like, wait, that's our own personal thing. You <laughs> <laughs> do a Portugal-based episode. Unless, unless we're, like, you know, recording a movie while we're there, but you never know. Ooh, we could walk on the set of a movie while we're there, somehow. Yeah. Well, the new, you know, Prince and Me Five. Yeah. <laughs> Back to the other two. Portugal. Portugal. <laughs> we thought of that pun, uh, which is like hugely uncreative and probably like there's already like a thousand posts under that on but Instagram. We're on it now as we, well. We did think of it ourselves. So yeah. Go us. What about you, Helen? Um, I really want to see The Shape of Water. I adore Sally Hawkins. I think she is fantastic. Obviously, she was in. She was really good in Paddington. And Paddington too. I love those films and I love her. Mm. Um, And obviously she got her big start from Maiden Dagenham. I remember that back in the day. Obviously she's been around for ages. But um, I think it's really exciting because, you know, she doesn't speak very much at all because she's mute. Um, And I'm really intrigued to see how they do this fantasy romance thing. I love the idea of fantasy romance itself. It all seems kind of like, like The Mermaid of Mrs. Hancock, which is a book that's coming out in the UK pretty soon yeah which apparently is very Essex Serpent yes uh, yeah and it's kind of like Victorian um, moral moral stuff um, mystical creatures with a slightly more like dark edge it's not like I don't know a Disney film it's got this like dark edge of government um, experiments and hidden love and it's all it it all looks quite like it's all it's like the 60s I think yeah that does sound really intriguing I feel like that's one that I haven't heard an awful lot about oddly Mm, but yeah Mermaid of Hannibal shape, Shape of Water Sorry? Shape of Water or Mermaid and Mrs. Hancock? Oh, no. Mermaid and Mrs. Hancock I've heard about, but like The Shape of Water. Yeah. I feel like yeah. I haven't heard about it as much as some of the other... Yeah, films, absolutely. And I'm so. really, really excited to see it because Guillermo Guillain del Toro also is a great director, I will say. Mm. So, um, And that's coming out in February. I finally found out when it's going to come out because I was a bit like, why hasn't it come out? Yeah. <laughs> uh. 
Because everyone else in the US seems to have watched it. Well, that's why it's quite irritating, because then you see all their, like, hot takes all over Twitter. I know. Um, that's what ruined um, Big Off for me. I found out who the winner was. Well, I mean, that wasn't America's fault. But, no, you know. it wasn't America's fault. A lot of other stuff is there. Uh, what else have I been looking forward to? Um... Film-wise, uh, oh, I heard they're doing a Black Widow standalone for Marvel, oh. which is going to be sick. I'm so excited because obviously they pointed out in the article that Scarlett Johansson is a great female lead. She's great at holding her own in films. Mm. She's a big hitter. So it'll probably be really good. And I, So I'm really looking forward to that because it, obviously it's been a bit of a sticking point for the Marvel Universe that, you know, Thor, the Hulk, Iron Man, Captain America, you know, everyone else, all the main leading men have got their own films and she's been a key ensemble part part of the ensemble cast and is in lots of different films from the Marvel Universe that aren't her own she's been in loads um, and obviously Wonder Woman has done so well for DC that they've been like okay we'll probably greenlight the project now but this someone has pointed out that also Brie Larson's coming in as Captain Marvel next year oh I really like Brie Larson yeah she's, she's gonna be actress, Captain yeah. Marvel for her own film as well oh, so cool. we've got a couple of MCU female led films which hopefully be as good as Wonder Woman though that's gonna be difficult because Wonder Woman was and she's maybe like the leading big female comic character. The one everyone's heard of. And, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and other than that, is there anything else I'm looking forward yeah, to? Yeah, well, we'll have to think about what, we, uh, what we're going to discuss in upcoming weeks. Oh, obviously, yeah, because obviously we're not limited to just movies. We do TV shows, no, books. I feel like it could be interesting, though, to discuss some of these... Uh, some of these movies that have are being buzzed about, you know, if we get to go see them. I mean. Get our hot takes on them. Yeah, because um, it's interesting, like... Uh, just to uh, blow our own trumpet for a minute. Uh, okay. Our like most popular episode is "Call Me by Your Name," which isn't surprising given that that film has just been talked about so much. Yeah. Um, but it seems like you guys really like it when we talk about current movies. Yeah. And not just like niche, <laughs> like Netflix films about Christmas, as enjoyable as that was. Enjoyable as that was. Um, yeah. So yeah, that could be fun. I mean, yeah, we'll have do to let see us know what we get to see. We are hoping for some input on the Greatest Showman from a friend who's going to see it. Oh yeah, yeah, because we thought that could be an interesting one in that it's we, the historic history behind it is, yeah so on paper it's like we both we both love musicals music, Hugh Jackman yeah Zac Efron, it's, it's, it, it seems very much like something we would like enjoy I, but yeah. then it's got this kind of weird backstory in that it's basically romanticizing this figure who, who P.T. Really, Barnum who created the freak show yeah who really wasn't really like this fantastic no he was a Victorian weirdo yeah yeah so um I think uh, our friend who went to see that has not yet reported back on her thoughts, but, but I'm sure she will. Laura, let us! <laughs> um, but yeah, so as ever, um, do let us know if there's anything you want us to discuss or to look at, and we will do our very best. <coughs> Sorry. Um, and uh, of course you can expect, as ever, weekly or fortnightly episodes coming at you about all kinds of different stuff yeah. that's happening this Obviously year. Obviously we've had like, a bit of a break over the Christmas period, but we're like up and running with uh, many things that we want to chat about so. so yeah and obviously you can connect with us um, on Twitter at Real LLW um, so follow us there we hashtag a lot of our tweets about the show LLW show so you can follow that hashtag as well we do some live tweeting when we can so um, do join us over there and equally you can email us at loveslabourswatch no punctuation all lowercase at gmail.com and we check it semi-regular yeah we, we check check it pretty oh, no, it's until my phone so it does come up yeah yeah you know people email me when laura emailed us i was like <laughs> but um yeah so that's probably us yeah well we will uh you'll hear us on your <laughs> earphones soon <laughs> bye guys bye. Bye.